The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It is called the Magic Mile, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the only NASCAR Cup race in New England, and this year just one stop at Loudoun. A big race weekend with the Xfinity race tomorrow, the Monster Energy Cup Series racing on Sunday afternoon. And with that, we welcome you into NASCAR America officially. Carol Amato and Parker Clearman with you. Uh, hey. Traction compound, I want to pick up exactly where Junior left off. It seemed that that was very much on the minds of the drivers. In fact, the man who won the poll today, Kurt Busch, explained it as a complete game changer. It is, and the reason being is that one forces you to run a different line, right? So if, when they laid it up top in that third groove, you would not normally run in that groove, and a lot of drivers are talking about how high they are entering the corners now because of that PJ1 uh, sticky stuff is what yeah. using as well. So it just adds a ton of grip in a spot that you wouldn't normally have it, and therefore you have to run where it is. The other thing that's incredibly tricky is that it changes constantly as cars run on it, as it heats up and cools down, as, as it starts to fall away and move around the racetrack. It just changes the racetrack constantly, so it's very unpredictable. And for race car drivers, we don't like unpredictable. We want it, we want it to be easy and know what's going on. Uh, because Cup, Cup, Cup qualifying, Cup qualifying just ended. Um, let's go back and take a look sure. at some of the more notable moments from the day. A lot of the cars, Parker, waiting until the very waning minutes of round one to take their laps. And when they did, it was three-time New Hampshire winner Kyle Busch really pacing the field in round one here. Yeah, picked up right where he left off in practice where he led that. He led round one, but... When he had that speed to continue throughout qualifying, that's why we have three rounds. They don't hand out the pole in round one. You noticed um, in round two that Kyle Larson's performance was a little off. Yeah, right here. He goes off in a turn three, and he's going to get a little bit out of that PJ1 track sticky stuff, and he's actually <laughs> going to end up a little bit higher there, and then would have to do three laps, but just could not find the speed inside that Chevy. A very disappointing qualifying effort for him, and I had him on my fantasy team. You know what? I, I, had, him, I had him winning the pole just like you did, and we didn't even talk about it ahead no. of time. By the way, Kevin Harvick failed to advance to the final final round as well. We really thought this was going to be Kyle Busch winning the poll. I remember Junior and the fellas maybe adding yeah. him at the last second as their poll winner on their fantasy teams, but Kurt, his older brother, with some different ideas. And the best part is he put on a show for the rest of the field because at this point he was the first car out and they were all sitting on pit road watching him go out there. He said, the heck with that. I'm not waiting. I'm going to go put down a monster lap. He did that. Kyle Busch's brother looked like he had a good, a good lap through one and two. Even down the back stretch was on pace, but Kurt just made up a ton of time in turns three and four and gets the pole. So the team looking pretty pleased with that as Kurt Busch grabs his third pole of 2018. It's the 25th overall of his career. He is a three-time winner at the Magic Mile, remember. Martin Turks Jr. and Kyle Busch rounding out the top three. Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney in there to complete the top five in the end. Nobody faster than the 41. And Marty Snyder was there with today's pole winner. How about a great race car and going out early. How key was that, Kurt? 
That's what Billy Scott said to go and do. And so I don't want to second guess anything. When the crew chief says go, you just go. And I like the way that um, you know we made the right changes to reach of the rounds and we stuck to a game plan. That's that's exactly what you hope to have each time you go to qualifying where you don't have to deviate away from the plan you set in place. This is a tough place to pass, Kurt. So how advantageous is it to be on the pole and get that first pit stall selection as well? That'll help big time. Uh, you know, when your car is working good, you can pass. And with the VHT in lane one and lane three, it changes the game on how loud it's raced. But overall, just thanks to Monster for Ford. Uh, this is great to be on pole. I mean, this is exactly what we needed to kind of just start that, you know, second half five going off, you know? How much will this racetrack change, you think, from practice today by the time we race on Sunday with the with the PJ1 moving around? Yeah, and then you have the Modifieds here, and you have the K&N East car, so lots of different rubber, lots of different track buildup, and then temperatures, too. I think it's supposed to be cooler on Sunday, so I'm just happy we got pole right now. That's all that matters with the 41 <laughs> Ford. Thanks, guys. And he's going to think about race trim tomorrow. The driver got it done, but the call by Billy Scott to go out early when everybody else waited might have been the key. Kurt Busch on the pole here at New Hampshire. So if you've been with us over our coverage of the last couple hours, we have done a pretty good job of establishing that winning the pole is important at this track. But why is it especially important for a driver like Kurt? Well, I think for Kurt in his particular situation right now, as we look at the body of this season, you know, you've had obviously his teammate Kevin Harvick's been one of the big three. We have Clint Boyer, who's maybe been the one we've talked about being that fourth good car. And even Eric Almirola having a, a career year and really great equipment. But Kurt's kind of been under the radar. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have been saying, hey, man, you know, what, when are you going to start to have some of the speed that your teammates have and go out there and challenge for wins. So getting the pole and being the best Stuart Haas car this weekend, I just think this was a good statement by Kurt Busch and this 41 team, you know, to really say, you know, don't forget about us. We're seventh in points. We're there. We're doing the right things. We just need to click a little bit. So this was a very impactful pole for him. I don't know, you know, if it, if you rank it in terms of saying, oh, that pole, if he wins, if he doesn't win the pole, he doesn't win the race. But I think just mentally for this race team and sort of a statement amongst within Stuart Haas Racing to say, you know, don't forget about us. We're here. I think it was important for that. Let's go back to Denny Hamlin. We mentioned him just a little while earlier in the previous broadcast. But what was your assessment of what happened for him today? What could be possible for him this weekend? Well, he's had a lot of emphasis on this race. You know, a lot of people came in here thinking like, all right, here comes Denny Hamlin. It's it's a short track. Well, at least Steve Attart calls it a short track. Dale Earnhardt Jr. doesn't agree that it's a short track. And we know Denny Hamlin's great on short tracks. He's been great at this racetrack. He said in qualifying, he got a little bit loose into the corner, which means he actually just got the back end out a little bit. He actually chattered the rear tires, which will happen at this flat track, which means it's a very uncomfortable position to be in as a race car driver when you're entering the corner and the back end wants to come around. But you need that to be fast. And he said that just held him back a little bit for maybe being able to challenge for the pole but it's also an important weekend for him because he talked earlier today about how he was lucky that there's 16 spots in the playoffs because they're basically in the playoffs right but at the same token he said right now for our race team this is when we have to get good if we want to challenge for a championship if we want to challenge those big three we have to get good right now because you're getting towards the end of the summer stretch. We're going to suit before you know it. We're going to be in fall. It's going to be playoff time, and this team really needs to up their game if they want to go up there and challenge their teammate Kyle Busch for this championship. So if fans are watching our coverage today, they're really starting to get their first whiff of what may or may not happen this weekend. Let's finish off right now with just discussing what's happening right around that playoff bubble 
Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Paul Menard. What did you see? What did you like? What did you think was maybe troubling as those drivers are desperate to really maintain their position? Here's the playoff leaderboard sure. just so you at home can kind of see where everything stands right now. And really, we're kind of zeroing in from 15 to 18. It's becoming a, a three-horse race in a lot of ways between Alex Bowman, Ricky yeah. Stenhouse Jr., and Paul Menard. And I think, you know, we can't talk about this weekend without talking about what happened last weekend. Alex Bowman had the break issue. He ends up finishing last. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. in that 17 team let an opportunity get away. They could have had a day where they gained a ton of points, Alex Bowman, but they had troubles as well, were trapped laps down, were not able to fight back in a lot of ways, and therefore did not get the, as many points uh, forward as they could have, you know, not gained as many points, Alex Bowman. But the big day last week was Paul Menard, who had a huge gain on both those drivers and now put himself in the conversation. So when we look at this weekend, Coming out of qualifying, you have to say the winner is Alex Bowman, right? We know we, I had a lot of uh, feelings that he was going to be good here. We felt like this was a place that Hendrick could be good, knowing it's not a very aerodynamic racetrack. You know, the, the aerodynamic deficiencies that they may have are not going to hold them back. And it's a mechanical racetrack, so they were able to do that, do that well. So I think if you look at that situation, he's doing what he needs to do to fend off Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Paul Menard. Meanwhile, further towards the front, it was really cool to see the simulation between Martin Truex Jr. and Kurt Busch as we were kind of analyzing in qualifying just a short time ago. You guys at home will probably recall that Truex is coming off his fourth win of the year last week at Kentucky this weekend, looking for his first Cup Series win at the Magic Mile. He is off to a good start. He grabbed that outside pole for Sunday's race in qualifying. After he did that, he spoke with our Rick Allen. All right, Martin Truex Jr., you qualified second, so you're going to start on the front row. How difficult is it to figure out the lines now with the PJ1 or the, the adhesive that they put down on the track? Um, you know, we've done it here once before, so it's not that tricky. It's just really a matter of how good are they going to be when we start the session, you know, because other cars have been out there. You know, Xfinity had two practices. Um, Modifieds had their 30-lap race. So the question is, how much grip is it going to have when I get to it? Uh, and is it going to be like it was in practice? You know, so for us, um, we had to change the balance a bit from practice, and uh, I felt like we hit it pretty good there. Um, but, you know, we'll go into tomorrow, and, um, you know, it'll change throughout practice. And then again on Sunday, usually they respray it Sunday morning. So you just uh, – the biggest change is when they redo it or other guys race um, between times we're on it, and you're just never sure what it's going to do. Still looking for that first cup win here at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, but he starts on the front row. You really just get the sense, Parker, that Martin Truex Jr. loves this track. His family loves this track. We saw Ryan Truex on the track just a short time before the Cup guy started qualifying, and he wants to get this win in the Cup Series. I also felt like, did he look disappointed there? qualifying second that's kind of what I mean a little I, like, bit a little bit yeah. I, yeah that's incredible it's just amazing the performance of this race team you know they qualify on the front row and it's like ah we're terrible you know <laughs> like, how, how do we do that but, <laughs> I don't think he was exactly <laughs> saying that but I do no, I do I, understand you know, what you're saying it's just incredible yeah. that, that their expectation is when they are on the racetrack they are going to be one of the fastest cars <laughs> they're going to win the pole bus. they're going to lead the most laps they're going to win <laughs> yeah. all the stages they're going to win the race that's yeah. just what's incredible about that race team but yeah definitely I think this is a place that he looks forward to going to he's talked all weekend about how much he loves this racetrack growing up watching races there, racing in what was is now the K&N East Series, winning a Bush Series race there that he said basically was the, the, the chance that moved his career forward. Uh, I think it's just a lot of things that, you know, have happened here for the Truexes, watching his dad win there, his younger brother has won some K&N East races there as well, Ryan Truex. So I just think overall it's one of those places you love to come to. And, and we heard Ryan Blaney say similar things where he was like, 
I love coming to this racetrack because the weather's great. They have a ton of races going on. It's just overall a great atmosphere. What, like it's hard to win the pole and win every single race and Apparently. always be in contention? Uh, uh, yeah. Not for that. Not, yeah. for, not for the 78 team. Not at all. <laughs> not for that uh, Not for that team. So, Kurt Busch, obviously the focus of qualifying your pole winner coming up. We are going to continue to hear from drivers after today's cup qualifying. Parker's going to tell us some of the drivers he's really focused on as we head towards race day in New Hampshire, NASCAR America. Continuing right after this. Stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. The Verizon IndyCar Series is on CNBC with Scott Dixon looking to take a sixth checkered flag at his most successful track. That's the Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio, and it is July 29th over on CNBC. Larson to the bottom of the track. Slide job. Trying to take the lead away. Slide job. <laughs> Almost. There's no question that this young man can drive a race car. It's worth noting this was the last true mile and a half before the playoffs. This was the time to show what you had. It's a win for mullets all across <laughs> the country. We've had seven winners and there's nine playoff spots available. Which one of the big three is the best car right now? Because it seems like each week one of them kind of shows up and outruns the others. <laughs> wow! Oh my goodness! Oh my man! What a race! What a great race! So today's qualifying was a really great warm-up because our NBC race team, as we are calling them, Steve Latart, Dale Jr., Jeff Burton, the men that you just heard from, calling the race in the booth this weekend with Rick Allen on pit road this time around. You know how challenging that job could be. Rick did a really nice Definitely. job kind of getting his feet wet out there today and the guys kind of working out those kinks. But we do want to figure out what they should be wearing. And we want you to help us by going to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR mode. Not this. Yeah, you know, it's, so... It's going to win. It's so going to be jeans and been, racing t-shirts. This has been happening all week. And jeans and a racing t-shirt has been the I overwhelming voted. majority. I voted many times for that. We I, know Steve Atart's the only one voting for the coat and tie. I so, come may... On. <laughs> I, <laughs> so that's just Steve... Coat and tie is just Steve Atart and our bosses. Okay. That's the only people voting for I coat have and a tie. very strong position on this. I want it to be casual comfort because I want to talk to Jeff Burton about, about having that? to dress just like that, which I believe is polo on polo crime. I, is that what casual comfort is? It looks I like he's that's, wearing that's two a lot polos. Of it's a lot of colors. <laughs> two polos. I want to wear vintage NASCAR t-shirts on Victory Lap, which is yes. after the race broadcast. Um, send us your hashtags if you want us to do that as well. Send I just it to bought Victory four Lap. new ones on eBay. And That's I can like Amazon Prime that so fast. You guys have no idea. Um, so right. let us know. Yeah. I think it's going to be t-shirts. Th 100%. I'll put a blazer on. I can't believe okay. the other ones even have any percents. Yeah, no, coat and tie is not happening. We're trying to banish that completely <laughs> here on NASCAR America. Let's take a look at the playoff standings and get back to the serious stuff. There are seven races left in the regular season. So as you can see, seven drivers have locked down playoff berths with victories so far. That leaves nine spots currently up for grabs. And at Kentucky, things got even tighter at that cut line like we were talking about. Alex Bowman's advantage trimmed down to just nine points. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the first driver on the outside looking in. Paul Menard, we have called him Mr. Consistent on the program so far, not far behind. But let's hear from Alex Bowman now. He spoke to Marty Snyder just a short time ago. Well, a nice effort for Alex Bowman, eighth fastest. Aren't you the same guy who told me Wednesday you didn't like this racetrack? I mean, would you all of a sudden fall in love with it? Yeah, it's by far my worst place when it comes to qualifying and trying to make speed. So that just says a lot about our uh, our nationwide Camaro and how much speed it probably has in the car that's left over because the driver's lacking a little bit. But um, this place has changed a lot since the last time I've been here, just with how um, the traction compound is, is put down and how that kind of changed the line a little bit. So. 
Uh, hopefully that helped me a little bit. I felt like our car was really good in race trim. We only made one mock run and we qualified pretty well too. So um, really happy with uh, everybody at Hendrick Motorsports. We seem to have some good speed this week and uh, hopefully it pays off on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or whenever we do race. Sunday, Alex, we're racing Sunday. So I want to ask you about that. You mentioned the good speed for Hendrick Motorsports. Do you feel like uh, corporately the, the entire organization is taking a step forward this weekend and if so, why? Well, I think our short track stuff has, has been pretty good all year everywhere we've gone. And this is more of a short track than um, than any of the other mile stuff that we run. So uh, we were pretty strong at Phoenix as well. Chase ran really good there. So a little bit of similarity. So I, I think this track kind of fits where we're at right now. Um, you know, obviously we're still a little off of, of the top couple guys, but I feel like we can uh, hopefully make that up when it comes time to go racing. And when we talk about the playoff cut line, we know how tight that is. Do you watch the 17 and notice that he qualified 23rd and say, hey, we're starting with an advantage already? Yes and no. I mean, I, I try not to watch things I can't control, right? right. So um, definitely makes me feel good. Hopefully we're, uh, we're starting there in the top 10. We can hopefully get some stage points. We've been kind of allergic to them all year, but um, hopefully we can pull that off. All my guys have worked so hard um, to, to keep getting better every week. Our pit crew has been phenomenal, so that'll help all day have a better pit box for them to work with. So there's a lot of advantages to it, but um, definitely makes you feel good to uh, out-qualify the guys you're racing around. Fastest Chevy here at New Hampshire, Alex Bowman. He'll start eighth in that 88 car. And if you have been following Alex Bowman's career, you'll likely recall, I know the two of us do, that back in July of 2016 was when he really got that first shot in the 88 car, ended up running in the top 10. And for us at the time on NASCAR America, that really kind of put him on the map for us and made us all wonder what was possible for him. Do you get the sense that he has some confidence at this track, hearkening back to what happened just a few years ago and what's happened since? Yeah, as many people try to call him a rookie, he has been a, a rookie. He's been around a long time. Yeah. So <laughs> we've seen him for many years, and he did a great performance at 88, and it's really what sparked his chance and the opportunity to eventually take over the 88 this year. So I think, you know, when you look at this team and what they've been able to accomplish, he talks about being allergic to stage points, right? And that's a frustrating thing. And I think there's so many things this year where this race team would say they were frustrated with the result, right? They had the speed. We've seen him at times be one of the best Hendrick cars. And now he finds himself really in a position where he's fighting for that playoff chance. And he's against a car that a lot of, ch in talking that uh, the 17 Ricky Stenhouse's team, they don't feel like these two cars are really in the same category. Like right. this, this car should be, the 88 should be far ahead. So it's a, it's a frustrating place to be. But I liked his answer about not paying attention to the 17. I, I think that's how you have to race is you have to focus on you and your team what you can control and just simply try to get your best performance because if you start to look at the other teams if you start to let that seep in then anytime they're any bit better than you that's going to take away your performance it's a great thing to say but we also heard some sound from him earlier in the week where he was taking us through his thought process when all of that stuff was evolving at Kentucky and it was very yes, fresh on his I mind what that. was happening yeah, he was watching the race watching him hold but, off a lap so yeah. not get a lap back I, I know that happens definitely when you're out of the race but when you're in the race if you still have the opportunity right yeah, now like they have good. this weekend make it your you. mantra just make yes. it your mantra I am curious about something that he posted on social media just a short uh -oh. time ago can you explain that, so this this is this is mean this is rude I was I, I I knew this would get found. This is rude. So I asked him who was his best teammate he ever had in Xfinity because we were basically teammates in 2013. And he basically named everyone but me and said I was the not his favorite teammate. You're one so, of the best teammates I've ever had. I, I can't know, believe that this is true. I, I think it's because I end up beating him in 
the races a lot. He would out-qualify me. He's a great qualifier, incredible qualifier. You know what? But I'd just find a way to get a little bit faster in the race than him. So, you know, hey, man, I'm, whatever. This wasn't supposed to be a Parker Kligerman humble no, brag. This no. was just supposed to be a fun minute. <laughs> Let's talk about Penske. We haven't hit on them yet. Um, tell me your reactions from some of the things you saw at qualifying. So I think this is a really important weekend for them. I think there's a lot of opportunity here for Team Penske, especially the two-car Brad Keselowski. We just continually see him him and Paul Wolf pull some of these great strategies where they able to steal track position. We saw it at Pope over this year. We saw it in Kentucky. They just do great things in terms of using strategy to their advantage. And this racetrack being this, this short mile oval, it's also a very short race. It has opportunity in it for strategies like they've had. If there's timely caution sort of things where they really use those long pitting strategies to steal track position, if they can do that, I think there's a, a lot of times you can hold off faster cars for a long period of time at this racetrack. So I think it's a big opportunity for the two car this weekend to maybe challenge for the victory again and, and find themselves finally getting back in victory lane. We did have a chance to hear what Ryan Blaney had to say just a short time ago. He spoke with Marty Snyder. Let's take another listen to that. Uh, standing by with Ryan Blaney and Ryan qualified fifth. Are you comfortable with that starting position? Yeah, it's nice to start up, uh, you know, in the top five there. And I thought, uh, I actually thought we got a little bit worse that last round and uh, seems like some other cars did too. The times kind of slowed down for some of us, but um, it was nice to keep improving spots every round that's what you want to do but um we'll see how our car is in race trim tomorrow we didn't do any race runs today um so hopefully it'll get hot just like tomorrow and uh we'll see what we can do and see where the you know traction compound goes and, and do some long runs and kind of see where our car goes but pretty proud of this 12 group um nice to have menards back on the car this weekend in sylvania it's their first race on the hood so uh super pumped to have them back and it's always nice to come up to new hampshire this week uh the weather's always nice and the people here are amazing a lot of cool races, the Modifieds and Xfinity cars race and K&N cars and us. So I'm excited to uh, get going. As a fan of racing, obviously this place is packed with racing. So what do you do when you're not on the track? Are you out watching the races? Yeah, yeah, I love watching the Modified races. Um, they put on a heck of a show, and I think they got a doubleheader here this weekend. So I'm excited for them to get going. And uh, the East race should be pretty good, or the K&N race should be pretty good too. But, uh, yeah, I, I just like watching racing no matter what racetrack it is. But here it's, uh, it's really... I think it's pivotal to kind of watch the racing and see where the PJ1 goes. You know, it, it kind of when it wears off and if it does wear off. And uh, I think that just helps us out on Sunday. But, you know, the non-driver in me just likes to watch races here. I think they're exciting. So he's going to watch as a fan, and he's also going to watch to try to learn to what the lines will change as the races continue. It was Rick Allen doing a <laughs> masterful job down on pit road. Expert pit reporter. My apologies. I went to Marty Snyder because I just assumed that the best, most elite Forget. interviews come yes. from pit road from Marty most of the time. But um, Rick doing a great job out there today. Okay, so let's get into this a little bit with Ryan Blaney. He is a question mark for me for my NASCAR America NBC Fantasy League because I feel like heading into this weekend, maybe this could be an opportunity for him. Do you agree? I think the same boat as a two-car. This is just a big opportunity for Team Penske overall. So I, I do believe it's an opportunity for him. I don't have him on my fantasy team right now, but we'll see after the practices tomorrow what they kind of show on the long run. Obviously showed great speed here today, qualifying in the top five. That was an excellent performance. And actually, just when you look at the past couple races, even last weekend, what an excellent performance by that 12 car to run up front like they did and finish second. I think that was just a great statement by the 12 team, read by Jeremy Bullins, that they're, they're here. They're, this is a team that's going to contend. They're not going to let the two cars steal the headlines for Team Penske. That This is a team that's going to challenge once we get in the playoffs. And I I think it's important for them to have runs like they had because 
that was a mile and a half. That was important because that's what we'll see as we go forward towards the playoffs. But now with a short track like this, this is also an important one for them because we want to see that same speed. We want to see that same performance out of these cars if they're going to challenge in the playoffs. Well, we're talking about young drivers who have deserved momentum. I think Eric Jones obviously belongs at the top of that conversation with his most recent win and the fact that he's had four straight top tens in the yes. last four races. I mean, that's amazing. But uh, did you guys catch this on social Uh-oh. media? Oh, this. Yeah, this. Yes. This. This, this, this is a sad get, day for Mullet. We can't everywhere. get enough of this video for some reason, although I got to say, I think it's a better look not to have it. It's a more serious look. Okay. Well, he did speak to Marty about it. <laughs> Let's take a listen. <laughs> I sarcastically say the biggest news of the week, the haircut. The mullet's gone, man. I heard at a, at a midpoint in the haircut, you had a chance to keep it, and you said, nah, just get rid of it. Why? I did. They, they told me I could trim it up, but... If I can't go all out with it, I'm just gonna just gonna trim it down. So, mullet's gone, but uh, no, it's uh, it feels good. A little less weight for this weekend. Full so throttle giving, or no throttle? So I like giving, it. Yes, we're giving Marty the hard hitting stuff this weekend. Now Apparently. that Rick Allen is down <laughs> on pit road, you know you gotta love a mullet. Hey, I guess. I like it. Yeah. A, it was a second attempt at it, and it was a great attempt. I loved it. If I never see that video again, I think it would be fine. I don't like seeing haircuts. Yeah, I think no. it'll be okay. Uh, let's, we'll move on. Yeah, let's move on to the Xfinity series. You want to? That'd be excellent. Yeah, we had some practice earlier today, and um, last week at Kentucky, we saw Christopher Bell grab his second win of the season. The pressure continuing to build for other drivers to win, to collect those postseason passes. We're going to look at the Xfinity playoff picture when we come back. The pressure's gotten turned up as this race season's wound on. Tyler Reddick has won it here at Daytona. Justin Allgaier wins at Iowa Speedway. Good job, dude. You drove your butt off. Christopher Bell started at the back of the field. He goes on to spin and win in Kentucky. Hell yeah. Thank you, With just nine races left in the Xfinity regular season, the pressure is really ramping up. Christopher Bell, Justin Allgaier, Tyler Reddick locking themselves in with wins. Race for the regular season championship, Parker, also coming with those 15 playoff points, which we know are very important. Definitely. And you've got two drivers there, Elliott Sider and Daniel Hemmer, tied right now for the lead at that point. So that's really impressive amongst those two and shows you how close this battle has become. But really, when we look at these playoff settings, the name that sticks out to me is Daniel Hemrick and that 21 car. We know how close he has been to the first win, and they want it so badly. I've spoken to this team so many times in the last couple of weeks. I've spoken to Daniel himself. I mean, every time you talk to them, they just say, how, when, you know, why has this not happened yet? How are we going to get that first win? So you really feel like that's coming for this race team. When I look at practice earlier today, I didn't feel like they really had the speed maybe to win. It didn't show up as much. I think they're solidly a top 10 car. They're going to have to do some work to become a top five car. So definitely for Daniel Henrik, if we're looking for that first win, it might not be this weekend, but they'll do what they've done all season, which is be a solid top 10 car, maybe a top five car. Give me another driver that you have your eye on as well. So the other driver that we're looking at right now is Ryan Priest. He's back. Yes. So remember last year, this was the race that he actually did the first uh, where he kind of took that shot out on himself with basically having two races worth of funding to go mm-hmm. to Joe Gibbs. He this started a great story at New Hampshire. Yeah. Was able to finish second in that race to Kyle Busch. If Kyle Busch wasn't there, he probably had that thing won. It was an incredible performance. And they went on to Iowa to win a race and now has gotten these races he has this season. He won at Bristol. He looked really good in first practice. He was third. He was top 10 in the final practice. So hopefully another good run for Ryan Priest in front of all his home fans. And I think Marty Snyder reported 
reported that he has like 150 friends and family coming to the races tomorrow. So oh, that's man, awesome. that's so fun. But when you do talk about practice, I think you have to mention Brad Keselowski as well, right? I mean, we love talking about the Xfinity regulars and what's on the line when it comes to the playoff standings and everything like that, but pretty yep. quick. So last week, everyone was gunning for Kyle Busch, right, at Kentucky in the Xfinity Series, and they were actually able to beat him. They were actually able to outrace him. Now the, the goal is Brad Keselowski. How do you beat Brad Keselowski in that 22 car? I talked to this team last week, and they said, you know, Last year at this race, they had one of the most dominant cars they've seen, and they were not able to get to victory lane. And so it's a bit of redemption this year, this time around. Brad Keselowski is great at New Hampshire for every reason. It just suits his driving style, and they showed a tremendous amount of speed in practice. They obviously were right up front. They led the 10-lap averages. I think they're definitely the car to beat. And so it's up to these Xfinity regulars. Can they find yeah. something to beat him in that 22 car? It's like every, each week we're getting a new cup guy for everyone to aim for. Yeah, that's all right. No Kyle Busch like in the it. field for tomorrow. He's a yeah. legend. Maybe. We just have to get past Brad Keselowski, and we'll see what's possible. Very big opportunity. They need to win. They need to grab these yes. playoff spots in the Xfinity Series for those regulars. Coming up next, you ready to make your way I over think I'm to get the... over there? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get back in that simulator. He's not They're even hanging out here. here anymore. All right, if I, I guess, can find my way. I guess Parker's gonna find his way over to the simulator to show us a little bit more about what's gonna happen this weekend at the Magic Mile. All right, get comfy. We'll be right back. Put like a 44 pound one in my hands, I'm, I'm freaked out. Put him back. Hey, Denny said he would take a pair of lobsters this weekend if it meant a win. That's the dream for drivers is to cruise into victory lane, grab one of those 19 pound bad boys from the North Atlantic. If that becomes a reality, you got to pay attention to Parker, who is in the NBCSNI racing simulator. Let's start with a restart. What do you say? You know it. That's what we're doing here. We're gonna have a restart. These restarts are so treacherous at New Hampshire because you're on low air pressures and you're gonna fly off in that flat corner with a tremendous amount of speed and no air around you. And some of these restarts are really tough because if you're on the bottom, which I'm up on the top right now, but if you're on the bottom, your car gets so loose. And you're, as a guy up top, you're just trying to clear those cars on the inside and, and beg and pray that it turns over here. And then you're able to get the throttle down. Oh, I got a little tight right there. And that's what can happen. And I actually was able to hold on to third place right here. But a lot of times, that doesn't go your way. And you end up all the way outside the groove. Oh, this thing gets pretty loose and into the corner right now. I didn't do any practice beforehand, so I'm, I'm winging it right here, finding out what this race car has. It's a tough thing to do, but right now, running where I am, I'm running kind of that high groove where we saw the PJ1 be put on the high side. But you can also run this racetrack right to the middle where they won't have the PJ1 and eventually wear off, or down here, all the way on the bottom. And you'll do that when you're asking the car to turn. Maybe your car's a little tight, it's just not turning how you want it to. You're trying to find a way to get some drive off the corner, get the rear tires to hook up. And so you'll run lower down here and hope to de-wedge the car a little bit and get some runs on the guys on the outside. And it's tough, it's really tough, especially as the run goes on, to be able to get that throttle down off the corner when you're running on the bottom. It's a really tough thing to do. And then, with that PJ1 down, if I can clear this car out here, oh yeah, we cleared them. You can find yourself up top right here. And this is the line I prefer to run, which is up top, because I just feel like you allow yourself a little bit more momentum, you allow yourself a little bit more room for error at times. I think the cars work better up here, and so you run a little higher, 
and you'll actually get this late exit off four, and you'll see Kevin Harvick will be one of the first cars to do that. He loves running that line for every reason. But the reason it works now, this weekend especially, is because of that PJ1. And the thing is, as you run up here though, what you do in that first part of the race might not be what you do at the end of the race because that stuff is gonna change constantly. We heard so many drivers talk about how it changes constantly. That's why you're gonna find yourself moving around, searching around this racetrack, trying to find somewhere to run. You see the leader there goes a little high. I'm gonna get a little bit of a run on him here out of four. Maybe I can catch him down into one. Maybe use a little bit of that bump and run we see on short tracks. Dale Jr. says this isn't a short track, but I think you can get away with a bump and run just like a short track. Well, oh, I didn't do a good job there. <laughs> no, nope, not enough, Carolyn. I didn't have it. Darn. So maybe Dale Jr. is right. It's not a short track. Lucy Goosey clicks in the sim. You need a couple more reps, buddy. Come over to the desk. Um, <laughs> did you know that Parker is a native New Englander and that this weekend is NASCAR's lone stop in the region? One of the things that New Englanders are known best for is a very unique accent. So to prepare for Loudon, some of NASCAR's best, try their hand at sounding like a local. All right, we're going to New Hampshire, so we're going to have you do some uh, New England accents. Oh, God bless it. It'll be fun. Let's have oh, yeah. fun. This is awful. I can't, hey, can I get Suarez in here for this? <laughs> okay. Or I can try. Hey, Martin, how's your car? I know he thinks he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I know he thinks he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I know he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I'm wicked smarter. Wicked's a great word we don't use enough, by the way. I still use it. I might be one of the only ones. <laughs> I love it. All right, so this is my best uh, New Hampshire up in New England accent. I'm going to go park the car in the Harvard Yard. I'm going to park the car in the Harvard Yard. I'm going to park the car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> I'm going to park the car in the Harvard Yard. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm going down to park the car in Harvard Yard. Why does my Boston accent sound Australian, by the way? <laughs> I'm going to park the car in the Harvard Pack. How's that? Is that good? That's good. Yeah, That's it good. sounded like Leo on, uh, what was that movie? Departed. Maybe Leo should play me in my movie. We need Ryan Priest for this, or Tommy Baldwin. <laughs> How do you like them apples? I got a number. That driver's garbage. That driver's garbage. I want more Jimmy's on my ice cream. I want more Jimmy's on my ice cream. You like my accent? I do like your that's accent. Not, that's not a Mexican accent. Are you accent. from Boston? <laughs> Daniel Suarez is such a good sport, just like all the other guys. Pocket de car. You are What's your best one? <laughs> Excuse me? I just, well, is that some kind of weird Italian? <laughs> it was some mix. I don't know. I just went you with are it. a New Englander, is that right? You have yes, no but I don't accent speak like whatsoever. That. I don't have anything. Nor are you. Uh, that's right. You moved no, up I'm here. From, you I'm from one. Florida originally, but nobody cares about this anymore. Coming up, um, let's talk about some of the other dominant drivers. Martin Truex Jr. has four wins after sweeping Kentucky last weekend. Think about Kyle Busch running up front virtually all year. He has got five wins. So does Kevin Harvick. We will bring you Nate Ryan's essay on the recent history of dominant drivers when we come back. Welcome back, everybody. NASCAR has rolled into the Granite State for its lone stop at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for the 2018 season. The Magic Mile hosted its first cup race 25 years ago this month. And qualifying for Sunday's Monster Energy Cup Series race was just held at the Magic Mile. Kurt Busch scoring the pole, his first ever at the track. Martin Truex Jr. qualifying in second. Denny Hamlin, who is aiming for his fourth Magic Mile victory, qualified in fourth. And he spoke with Marty Snyder just a short time ago. 
Well, the one guy we thought might have a shot at that pole position was Denny Hamlin. We saw you kind of back up turn three. Was that what you were trying to do is gain some speed through three and four there? Yeah, I mean, typically on the second lap, I'd been, you know, in 14 years, I usually blow through the front <laughs> tires uh, through three and four, trying to get a little more. So just trying to be patient with it. I got back to the gas pretty good, but I just had a bad angle for the exit. But uh, overall, you know, kind of should have got it done on the first lap. Uh, just got a little too edgy in, in, into one and chattered the rears. But overall, you know, decent day so far. Um, you know, we'll work on it tomorrow and get this thing good uh, for 300 and we still 301? I think we are, yeah, 301. For 301 laps. Yeah, well, how much did the track change throughout all three sessions, Denny? I didn't think it changed that much. Uh, you kind of saw it in the lap times. They all stayed pretty close. Uh, I think there was a bigger jump from round one to two, and I think that's just drivers getting the rhythm more than anything. And also sticker tires are a little bit slower than what uh, cycle tires are. So um, that, that's pretty much it. You're, you're, it's hard to kind of come out here after you've been sitting for three or four hours and do it right away. But uh, you know, there at the end, you saw the fastest times because drivers were in the rhythm, tires are good, and obviously the crew chiefs work on these cars. All right, needing a win, are you going to be cool if they hand you a lobster? What's the reaction going to be Sunday? The way my month is gone, <laughs> I'll take two. You might you might kiss on the lips even? That's pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> but he will definitely take a lobster because that lobster would mean a playoff ticket. <laughs> Marty, thank you very much. You know, the top storyline of 2018 is very simple. The utter dominance of Martin Truex and Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch. And while some NASCAR fans may really clamor for that side-by-side -side racing, those last lap passes, what we are witnessing this year from the big three is really unique. And our Nate Ryan looks back at other dominant performances and how they have also left a stamp on NASCAR's history. In praise of perfection, in NASCAR, too often racing greatness doesn't get its proper due. Credit can come too sparingly when it seems success came too easily. Jeff Burton has dominated this field. Nearly 18 years ago at New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Jeff Burton achieved perfection by leading all 300 laps in one of the greatest tricks ever pulled at the Magic Mile. Before I do anything else, I want to touch you because nobody else has been able to do it all day long. Was it really a walkover, though? A so-called blowout? It might apply in other sports, where head-to-head -head competition produces lopsided scores. But the blowout is a misnomer in racing, where there is always one winner and a few dozen losers. Ned Jarrett won the 1965 Southern 500 by 14 laps, the largest margin of victory in a cup race. But largely forgotten is he still led 137 fewer laps then the third place finisher. Few were in Richard Petty's class when he won seven straight at Richmond in the early 70s. Rarely more so than the race in which he started from the rear and still won by a lap despite having a restrictor plate on his engine. In 2018, it's been the big three. Martin Truex Jr. sweeping every stage at Kentucky Speedway. Another dominant performance. Kevin Harvick crushing it on Dover's concrete. For the 41st time in his career, Kevin Harvick is a winner. And Kyle Busch being close to flawless in the season's longest race. From beginning to end, it's been the Kyle Busch show. But somehow leading more than 90% of the Coca-Cola 600 doesn't inspire the same awe as a slam bang finish. He's wrecking him, he's wrecking him, you see it. Man, it was in the wall. Kyle Busch will win. So how can we appreciate such greatness? 
It's far from just a driver being precise with every turn of the wheel. It's a crew chief being on top of every strategy call a couple more here. We're in good shape. and correctly timed adjustment. It's a pit crew nailing every stop without leaving a lug nut loose. It's everything going right when there are thousands of violently moving parts and pieces that can go wrong in a split second. You had a damn light show there. In praise of perfection, sometimes it's okay to give dominance its due. Our thanks to Nate for that. With Truex's win last week in Kentucky, the trio has now scored 14 victories in the first 19 races, and their consistency has been incredible. They have earned a combined 40 top five finishes. Parker's shaking his head. They've also combined to lead more than 2,500 laps, nearly 50% of the total laps run this year, and all that front running has given them the top three totals, of course, in playoff points. Kyle Busch currently leading with 30. It's true. Parker was just sitting here shaking your head back and forth. Nate it's Ryan. Staggering. Yeah, Nate Ryan really puts it into context because I think everything, everybody is trying to figure out what we are witnessing right now. That's the, that's the thing. And to put it into context, you know, I've done two cup races this year we're racing. And one was the Coca-Cola 600 where Kyle Busch would lap me. And then it would be about an eternity later that someone <laughs> else would show up. And then it was at Sonoma where we actually ran, had a great run. And I actually just at the end got lapped by Martin Truex. And but it was an eternity later that Kevin Harvick showed up. So when these guys win races, they don't just win them. They dominate and they absolutely stomp the competition. And that's what's so unique about these three is that they're just finding ways to be in a whole nother level at the top of the sport. I mean, everyone at this level is great, is, is a great race car driver. They're finding a way to just somehow elevate themselves to a whole nother level that I don't even know how to describe it. That's what they're doing right now. I love you putting us in the car like that because it, re it really does help us understand exactly what they're accomplishing. Um, one of the stories that we have been following, especially from this week, was Martin Truex Jr., his, his future at Furniture Row. His contract expires um, at the end of the season, and he actually addressed that today. Here's what Truex had to say in the media center on that. We're just trying to figure everything out. What's, what's the best direction to go? Um, get all the details and, and honestly we haven't really worked that hard on it it's been something that it's like it's not really a pressing issue for me I know I know what the team wants I know where we're all at and um, you know it's not like I'm nervous they're going to sign somebody else or I'm going to be you know searching for a ride it's nothing like that it's more just um, trying to focus on racing and, and feeling like it'll get done when it gets done. So, Parker, we can't speculate at all about what the future is going to hold for Martin Truex Jr., despite the fact that this team seems to have remarkable chemistry. But one of the things I do notice is that he is not dismissive at all of the question or the notion that somebody would even want to talk about that. And to me, that means that he is comfortable right now with where things are at. And that's what I, the impression I get. This is a race team and a race car driver that want to be together. They assume they're going to find a way to be together. They want to continue in the future. You just get that from his body language, the way he's talking about how open he is about it. The, talking about, hey, man, I'm, I'm not even worried. You know, it's just we'll figure it out. It, it comes down to these situations, especially in the modern day right now, where obviously they lost a spot. Sponsor, they're trying to figure out what exactly they what the financial parts are right and there's three there's three sides to all this you got the owner then you've got the sponsor and you got the driver right and all three need to come together at the same time otherwise it just doesn't work so in this position I think this is what they're working on they're just trying to put all those puzzle pieces together and then they can say okay here's what we have here's how long it is here's what we you know here's how long it lasts and Martin here's what we want to do and you know, oh by the way sort of and oh by the way right now we are right in the middle of a oh, very yes. very real <laughs> chance of winning another championship so maybe if it's not pressing they got to be we'll able to just... multitask 
task we'll force. We'll just put that uh, in another box for right now yes. as we head towards the uh, playoffs very rapidly. Um, speaking of that, let's talk about fantasy when we come back and let's make some picks. I'm excited. Are you week. putting the big three in? Oh, of course. Uh, you if have you're to. not, I don't know what you're thinking. Let's talk fantasy when we come back. We'll be right back. Stay with us. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco, host city of the 2018 Rugby World Cup Sevens. First time ever for the US. A lot of excitement for the various countries, especially the US. Rugby World Cup Sevens coming up next. Our Lee Dippy there. We look forward to it as we are going coast to coast this weekend on NBCSN. You have the Rugby Sevens in the Bay Area. NASCAR making its lone stop at New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. Tomorrow, make sure you're with us for Xfinity Series Racing from the Magic Mile. Our coverage begins with Countdown to Green at 3.30 Eastern. And then on Sunday, the Cup Series taking over. Very big day. NASCAR America kicking things off straight up at noon Eastern. That's right here on NBCSN. It's a big weekend for us right here. So make sure you are in front of the TV if you're not at the track. Let's take a look at the odds for Sunday's race. So according to the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook, no surprise, favorites, big three. And then take a look at the driver at the bottom, Jimmy Johnson. His wow. odds of winning Sunday are 80 That's to one. Incredible. I know that leads us right into our NASCAR fantasy segment. Picking Jimmy Johnson has served me well in the past. This could be a huge opportunity if he could get it done. I'm not sure based on what we saw. Who do you have uh, this weekend? Well, funny enough, I have him in my garage, of course. So okay. <laughs> I, 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 now, I say this, but tomorrow morning, when we get to see practices tomorrow, I'll maybe change some of these. But, yes, he's in my garage right now. And then also on there, they had a 10-to-1 Brad Keselowski. I just feel like, as I said earlier in the show, you know, if you're looking for a team that's going to be able to pull some sort of strategy, you know, find a way to steal some track position, maybe find a way to get in front of that big three and then actually hold them off. I look at that two-car Brad Keselowski. And then Kyle Larson, I know he was disappointing in qualifying. I mean, that, that's the only way to put it, considering yeah. I had him winning the pole and he didn't do that. But uh, I just think he's going to have a very fast car. He looked great in practice. I believe that, you know, we've seen a lot of him at these flat tracks, and I just think that he'll definitely have the speed to compete up front once he drives. He likes to pass cars anyway. So there's two drivers that you don't have in there that I am thinking about based on what Dan Beaver from Rotor World told me, and I'm putting the big three in there because, duh. And obviously, um, I'm going to put Kyle Larson in there and Clint Boyer as well. But in my garage, I'm going to put Chase Elliott, and that's because Beavs, as I'm calling him, at Rotor World (laughs) suggested that Chase Elliott, who has had success at this sort of track in the past, might be somebody to watch. And he also said... Matt Kenseth Ooh. in the garage. That's if you want to get yeah. risky. But he did say that, that that's a lot of risk. I, I, I would agree with him on the Chase Elliott pick. I would not agree with the Matt Kenseth pick. Qualifying 31st, I just don't see much out of that six car. You got Jimmy Johnson but, in your garage well, right yeah, now. I think Jimmy can find some speed. I don't see the six car finding that speed. I didn't see much speed out of any of the Rush Fenway cars, considering uh, Stenhouse was the highest qualifying one at 23rd. Uh, but definitely Chase Elliott, I like that pick. Qualifying the top 10, I think that's a team that when he finally gets it done, it's going to happen, right? And I just think that you're looking at Hendrick Motorsports right now having a lot more speed than we've seen in the past for this weekend than we've seen, you know, at mile and a half. So I think this is a place that definitely Chase Elliott's a good pick. I have no reason not to listen to Dan. I have put <laughs> Chase Elliott in my lineup so many Me times. Too. And it has not it's been fruitful in any way. But now I am kind of thinking that that might be the right pick for the weekend. Might be the one to go with. All right. we'll, we'll both have a head You can driver. still tweak it right up time. until time. And yes. also you can always share your lineups with us. Um, go to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR if you want everything. Hit us on Instagram and also hashtag Victory Lab. While you watch the race this weekend, I'm putting it out there 
early. Hit us with your questions, okay? We'll be with you after the race. Right now, off to San Francisco for the Rugby Sevens World Cup. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 